We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey guys, welcome to the first Patreon Q&A podcast. This podcast is open to all listeners, but will feature questions from patrons who are on the $3 tier or higher. You can find us on Patreon by looking up Guilty as Charged Podcast, or you can click the link in the Twitter handle description at GACpodcast17, and it'll take you to the Patreon page. We're four Patreon supporters away from our football giveaway, so hang tight. Sounds like we'll be giving that away pretty soon. So joining me today are Steven and Jason. We're going to answer your questions, starting with Stefan or Steven's question. What do you think the Chargers do at wide receiver in the offseason? Well, we did have a podcast come out recently talking about wide receiver, so make sure you check that out. Personally, I think the Chargers will attempt to do what they did in 2014 with Tevin Reese, which is take like a day three guy, maybe not in round seven, but a guy later on who can solve two issues. One is a burner, and the other is maybe a punt and kick returner, because I think they are looking to address that this offseason. So we'll see. Guys, what do you think? You just brought back big memories by saying Tevin Reese. I was so excited for Tevin Reese. The the pairing with Keenan Allen and uh, Malcolm Floyd. Oh, man, big memories. Yeah, so to that point, I think, like we talked about, the lack of depth at the receiver position in the last episode. Um, I wouldn't rule out the question of signing another free agent receiver, you know, kind of being able to have at least four reliable uh, receivers. And a lot of that depends on um, who they bring back. If they bring back Jason Moore or, you know, one of the other I'm ones. on board with uh, giving Jason Moore a shot in um, in 2020. But at the same time, this wide receiver class is so stacked. And we go through that in our, in our wide receivers podcast. There are so many guys from rounds one to seven or even guys that are going to fall into undrafted free agency 
that are going to be available. And the Chargers, if they if they don't take one in between rounds two and four, they're making a mistake here because it is a big need. Um, early day three is probably where I would find a guy. Maybe they can uh, quote unquote reach for a guy like Denzel Mims, who we talked about in the other podcast. And uh, that's just a really big need for the Chargers moving forward. So it'd be a shame to see them not address it. Yeah, and I don't think they're going to sign anybody either, or not. They're not going to sign like a big or even middle tier guy just because they have to pay Keenan Allen and Mike Williams pretty soon. So I doubt they're. I doubt they're doing like an Eddie Royal, Stevie Johnson kind of situation. Right, and that's another reason they can't probably draft a receiver too early. Is you'd be expected to pay him in the future, and they're already they're already paying Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, and neither of those two I think are going anywhere unless Mike Williams' injury concerns keep resurfacing, and. Uh, Keenan Allen's going to be here for a while, so there's you're going to be paying him for the next eight-plus years. All right, next up from Chris. A lot of people are high on Mekhi Becton and mention his size first. What are your thoughts on QB round one and then Isaiah Wilson? I think he's asking, instead of taking Becton at number six, what if we took quarterback first and then a guy like Isaiah Wilson in the second round? What do you guys think? Yeah, so Becton has been a high riser because of those physical tools. And if you uh, watch his film, even if you just watch highlights, he demolishes people. Like, he is so physically imposing. Um, he kind of reminds me of King Dunlap coming out of, of college because of those physical not only tools. That, not only that, but you expect somebody that big and that dominant with strength that he would be have slow feet. Kind of like uh, I thought Jawan Taylor had slow slow feet coming out last year. Um, I was proven wrong about that, but I, I, I thought he did. And I just don't see it with Mekhi Becton. Uh, his feet are so fast for his size. Yeah. And apparently there are these YouTube videos out there of him playing basketball in high school. So, um, and doing all these crazy dunks and stuff like that. So he's a crazy athlete and he's, he's a huge human being. So the, the rise of Becton makes a lot of sense. That being said, taking him at six kind of depends on like this person is asking, that depends on what they do with the QB situation, whether they draft a guy or whether they sign a free agent. Um, I really like Isaiah Wilson. Isaiah Wilson, I would definitely take in round two. And he fills an obvious need at right tackle. You don't have to worry about switching him over to the left or switching him to the right or anything like that. Like he can come in and contribute right away. And um, he's also physically imposing. He's a little, he's not as imposing as Becton, obviously, but he is physical, he is mobile. Needs a little work with some technique, but I like Isaiah Wilson. Yeah, Isaiah Wilson would be a, a great pick in the second round. I know a lot of people have him going day three, even at the latest. Um, he's not a day three talent. He's a he borderline day one talent for Isaiah Wilson. I think if he stayed another year, he would be a, a top 15 pick potentially. But um, if you want to go by my preference, I, would, I wouldn't take Mekhi Becton at six. But I would prefer Mekhi Becton over Isaiah Wilson by a country mile. It's, I don't think it's particularly close. I know I hate using the phrase, it's not even close. But um, Becton, for me, went that combination of power and um, agility even. I just, he's, rose, he's risen up draft boards for a reason. I think he's the best off, offensive tackle in this draft or even through last draft or the draft prior. He's just way too good. He's way too good. Um, so would, if you're asking, am I okay with taking a QB in round one and Isaiah Wilson in the second? Yeah, I would, I would prefer that over Mekhi Becton, but I would personally prefer Mekhi Becton over Isaiah Wilson. Yeah. I think in this draft class, which we'll, we'll talk about the tackles more often, but 
The difference between a tier one QB and a tier two QB is pretty large in this draft, but the difference between a tier one tackle and a tier two tackle like Isaiah Wilson, it's mm-hmm. not that big of a difference like it is at the quarterback position. Yeah, really a lot of depth here at tackle, and um, you think you got to think that played a factor in why the Chargers kind of waited a off season, waited a season to actually invest on offensive line. I still don't like 2019's offensive line draft. I still think that class was insanely weak, whereas this class is a lot stronger, and even next class is a lot stronger. All right, next question from Cody. If the Chargers were to draft a quarterback and start him week one, what do you think would be the best game plan the coaches could use to give him the best opportunity to grow and learn on the fly? Number one, they got to bring back Hunter Henry, or they got to bring back some sort of tight end or sign somebody or draft somebody because that rookie's going to need him. Yeah. Uh, what else, you guys? So that's a big one. Sign, re-sign Hunter Henry because rookie quarterbacks really rely on those tight ends to bail them out of situations. It's over the middle. It's short. It's uh, They offer a great security blanket, especially once you get into the red zone. It's going to be a necessity to have a tight end, whether that's Hunter Henry or a rookie they go get. I know a lot of fans want Hunter Henry. Um, And later later this week, we'll talk about tight ends, but with the with the rookie quarterback, you want to just get them into a situation where they're not forced to throw into tight windows too often. And a good tight end will help that. And you already have two great receivers to help that as well with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Keenan Allen, because he doesn't allow those tight windows, he separates very well. And Mike Williams, because he'll bail you out of those tight window throws. So the, the Chargers already have a great scheme around them. And something else that I think a lot of people don't talk about is if the Chargers are planning on getting a rookie quarterback, Melvin Gordon might be a necessity this offseason. Not not a necessity, but he might be a great mm-hmm. weapon to have moving forward to establish that run with Gordon, Eckler, and Jackson and keep the pressure off of that quarterback as much as possible. And uh, Shane Steichen did a great job on the back end of 2019 to really put an emphasis on that ground game and to take away the pressure off Rivers, which somehow led to more interceptions. But... Getting away from that, Shane Steichen did a great job of uh, focusing more on improving the ground game, which if if Shane continues that focus, it can really help if we have a quarterback as a rookie in 2020. All right. Well, I figured Steichen could do something similar to what he did against the Packers his first game. Rivers only threw it 28 times, and the Chargers ran it 35 times. They gave all the targets to Henry. He had the most catches, and then Eckler and Gordon combined for seven catches. And then just a deep shot to Mike Williams for a big gain. You know, piece of cake. Keep it simple. Give it to your best players and uh, keep it simple. Yeah, I was going to say you want to keep things simple, but you definitely want to play to the quarterback's strengths. And, you know, I think a lot of times when you bring in a rookie quarterback, there's just this tendency for coaches to kind of put him in a box and limit exactly kind of the shots that they'll take. And and they don't really – it takes a few games for the quarterback and the offensive coordinator to get on the same page. Um, but I think really, if you are drafting a quarterback at six, you got to let him do his thing and not put in any limits on him. And if it's Jordan love, like, you know, he needs to be able to have the freedom and the confidence to sling it like that's cause that's who he is. So if you're trying to put a, a limit on him and say, and just emphasize, you know, don't make any mistakes. Like, I think that's not the right way to coach a guy like Jordan love. Cause you want to let him have the confidence where he'll just, you know, let it sling and, and, uh, just play to Jordan love is canon now. You're taking him as six. We're just gonna we're gonna start using Jordan Love as an, as our example moving forward on who their rookie quarterback is gonna be. I've succeeded. 
But but then again, like you know, no, we don't need to talk about that. If if Herbert is your six, you got to figure like you have to play to his strengths. That's the whole point here. Is like, yes, you want to give him the weapons, but you got to figure out as a coach, like, what is he comfortable with, and let's do those things first, and and let him flourish in his own. To expand upon that before moving on, Um, there each quarterback in this class is very different in terms of what you're getting. And so our answer could be different in a couple months when they draft a different one. So um, I think if, like Steven said, if you're going with Jordan Love, I think Melvin Gordon is more expendable. But if you're going with a guy like Justin Herbert, you're probably going to need uh, Melvin Gordon to help him out. All right, the next one is from Trevor. Who do you guys have as your day one linebacker starters next year? I'll start with one, and some fans won't like it, but I think Thomas Davis will return next season. I don't think the Chargers just move on from a guy who played 83% of the snaps last year. You could tell me Kaiser White would replace him, but that didn't happen last year either. I'm not really even sure what happened with Kaiser White last year. Right. No. So, I mean, and again, this isn't who we think, this isn't who we want to be the starters next year necessarily. It's just who we think are going to be the starters next year. And I do think Davis is one of them. Yeah, I would agree. Thomas Davis is definitely starting day one next year. Like, I tweeted this out a couple weeks ago. He was the first Chargers linebacker since Donnie Edwards to have 100 tackles in a season. And that was in 2005. So, you know, Chargers fans, I don't know what it is. They really like to hate on the guy. and and But he put up big numbers, and he was – I think he's really good for the locker room. Um, another guy that I think probably starts is Drew Tranquil. I think that's the obvious one. I think he's one of the three. And then the other one's kind of up in the air, whether it's – Kaiser White or Denzel Perryman or or what but you know we each have our own thoughts about each of those all guys. right so who do you, the question I'm reading it as who do you guys have as your day one linebacker starters so obviously who I want is I want Kaiser White Drew Tranquil and Thomas Davis that's that's my preferred lineup and who do I think that's that's a lot tougher so you're probably looking at Thomas Davis Drew Tranquil, and you're probably looking at you're honestly probably looking at Kaiser White as that Sam role that uh that role that Uchenna and Wosu used mm-hmm. to play. So I think I think those are I think that's the right lineup. I just think they're in the wrong positions. If you ask me, I really think that Thomas right. Davis should be in that Sam role because of his impact at the at the point of contact with those lead blockers and Kaiser White when he was on the field. He only got like eight snaps a game towards the back end of the season. But what game was it where he had eight? Was it Denver where Denver. he had seven or eight snaps and he had two pass breakups, almost an interception, and had three tackles? That was ridiculous. That was just – and mm-hmm. the fact that he, they did they still only gave him those limited snaps, it seemed like he was there all over all over the field all game long because of the amount of impact he had in that short about, short amount of time. Whereas I think that Sam role just makes so much more sense for Thomas Davis because he is getting older. And while I still think he can perform, I think it just fits him so much better and what his skill set is. Limit him in those passing situations and bring out what he does best. Yeah, I think Kaiser White needs to play a lot more as well. I think his athleticism is a big asset, especially in a division with the Chiefs and being able to have a linebacker that can cover in space like that's huge. So uh, Kaiser White definitely needs to be playing more. And the last one is from the guy with the best name. It's not me, but it is a guy named Tyler. 
He says, it seems like everyone wants to go lineman heavy in the draft. Looking at the age of our line, I'm thinking there should be more of a focus on free agency pickups than the draft. Feeney, Questenberry, Pipkins, and Lamp are all likely to be on the team next year with either Tevi or Scott battling for a roster spot. Mm, yay. Uh, all those players are under 25 years old. Thoughts on addressing the line through free agency over the draft? What do you guys think? All right, so I'm going to start off this one because I've been I've been saying this since back in August. I am okay with the Chargers not panicking and going and paying big money to a free agent lineman or drafting too many rookie linemen. Look, linemen take some time to develop. And um, I mentioned this in a previous podcast, but Chris Hairston said patience is key with young linemen. It's going to take a lot of lineman time. Not every lineman can come in on day one and make an impact. And um, we saw that with uh, we saw that with Pipkins. You saw those moments where he would shine and he would look great. I think there was a game where he gave up uh, only one pressure against the Oakland Raiders, only one pressure given up, and he looked fantastic. He looked he looked like he could be a franchise left tackle. And then two weeks later against the same team, he just blew it and looked abysmal. And um, it just it just happens. These guys need to learn. Um, even Trent Scott, I think, in one of those games, gave up zero pressures, zero hits, zero sacks. It was he had played a fantastic game. So it's just about being able to put the put the right guys around these players and uh, be, have a little patience with them. I'm not saying start Trent Scott next year. Let's not let's not repeat that by any means. But I am saying get get some get a good lineman, but don't overpay these guys. Don't go take too many. Don't invest too much. Because you did just bring in a fantastic offensive line coach that can coach these young guys up. You're looking, you're talking about Dan Feeney, Scott Clesenberry, Trey Pipkins, and Forrest Lamp here in this question. All four of those guys, I think, can start in this league. I think they can. And I think if you go get an elite right tackle in this draft, I think um, I think you can roll with these five. Yeah, I, I would be pretty surprised if the Chargers don't draft a lineman this draft, especially a, a right tackle, because that's pretty much the weak link of the line. Um, the question about free agency really is really interesting because if uh, Russell Okung is back and Mike Pouncey is back, you probably don't have the money to do that, especially if you're right. addressing other situations. Like if you sign a veteran quarterback um, and Michael Schofield, like he's, he's a free agent too. So if you're bringing Schofield back, you're bringing Okung back, you're bringing Pouncey back. You probably don't want to invest that much money as far as veteran veteran, offensive linemen go because you want these young guys to be able to develop like Jason was saying. So um, that really depends on those three and I'm fine with those three coming back and being able to have some competition at the positions. Um, But it's totally possible that those are the free agents quote unquote of the season. And we'll probably talk about this later in the, later in the season um, about bringing guys like Okung and Pouncey back personally little sneak peek for me right here i i'm okay with not bringing either one back i i think they need to restart reset um and just develop these young guys maybe bring in a new free agent that has more potential um i'd be okay with Mm -hmm. bringing okung back but at the same time he already posed a lot of injury risk last year not just with the what is it called the pulmonary embolism but also with his groin he re-injured that three times i believe it was and uh, that's just, that's concerning. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Okung retired. I would be fine having him back as well. Um, but as we talked about 
on our first episode, each of us really like Scott Quisenberry. And he honestly, I think he should be the starting center right. from day one. I think he has elite upside because of his athleticism and because of his physicality. And so I think Pouncey kind of is the odd man out because Quisenberry really is, he's young and he's borderline, you know, he has that um, high upside, like right. I said. All right, that's it for this Patreon Q&A. Make sure you sign up for the $3 tier if you'd like your question to be heard and be sure to follow us at GAC Podcast 17 on Twitter. Thanks for listening and we'll see you guys next time.